What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. All right. The Cutting Room Floor, Chapter 3. Welcome to another edition of... Edition? Can I say edition? I don't know what I should say. It's an edition. I never know how to start a podcast. Another installment. Welcome to another... Conversation. Episode. A conversation. (gasps) Welcome to another conversation (laughs) on the Cutting Room Floor, where we discuss... The previous message, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> Whatever we think about that. In greater detail. I'm Brian, joined here by Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Brian. She does all of the questions for us for our community groups, which are kicking off this, this week. week. Uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, you, we would have already had our women's group lift. So you missed it. So you missed it, unless you were there. Of course. Uh and then tonight is our men's group called Man Up at the Chapel. And if you're a dude, we'd love for you to be there. So, <laughs> just okay. Are you laughing about what I had said on Sunday? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast. If you wished you'd have heard it, you, you should have been, been there. there. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've done that twice in my ministry career said something like that anyway welcome and we're glad you're here uh this last week was our two-year anniversary and that was exciting yes it was very festive there was a lot we went over um there's a lot of people there and uh i was really encouraged by remembering what god has done over the last year which Actually, as we're recording this today is officially the two-year anniversary where we actually started our very first service. Happy so. anniversary. Yes. I find I nod my head a lot while you're talking, which probably doesn't That's probably better well. because um, I usually say yeah a lot in the podcast, and I hate, I hate that. So I should learn to nod because I don't need to say yeah so yeah. much. You know? <laughs> Correct. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, so to your anniversary this last week, uh, the message was supposed to be shorter. I don't know how much shorter it actually was. I tried to, to go through it fast, but um, there was a lot of notes, and there was a lot to go over. So take it away, Kelly. Woohoo! Here we go. All right. <laughs> 
Actually, I thought you covered a lot more than originally anticipated, mm-hmm. which is good. But there was a couple of themes that hit the cutting room floor. Yes, there were. That we're going to resurrect or revive or pick up. A um, few things. I like the the sheep without a shepherd because <laughs> um, we need guidance. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive in more on that. And then I, the key verse, and I know that's going to progress into more detail, but, but Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. And I like to talk about different names of God because it makes God more um, thorough to us because he's not just God our Father. So I thought of El Roy, that is the God who sees me. Hmm. Um, and I think it was, is it Haggai? Who was the, no, there's a guy. Who's the mom with the kid <laughs> under the tree? Crap, my mind just went blank. Isaac's brother, Jacob's. Oh. No. Is, yeah. yeah. Hagar. The, Hagar. <laughs> Haggai. Mom with the boy under the tree. <laughs> You mean Abraham's concubine? Yes. <laughs> that one? Yes. <laughs> you could not have described that in a more obscure way. <laughs> that was going all over the place. I, I was mean, thinking of the, what was the one, uh, uh, Barak, uh, who drives oh, the... Balaam? Yeah, the Balaam. donkey. No, 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 no. The one who drives the tent, tent peg oh, into the, the dude's... Brain. Yeah. That um, was a woman. I know it was a woman, but she also didn't she have a kid or something? I don't know. I don't See, know. now they're all <laughs> now they're all getting. But she did drive his tent stink through his temple. But which didn't is they awesome. find her sitting under a tree or something along those lines? I don't know. My my memory isn't good unless no. I'm actually. That might have been Elijah crying because a woman was chasing him and he was scared. No, no I'm gonna have to find. Okay, <laughs> while you look it up, I'll all try right. and maybe okay. redeem this part okay. of our conversation. Yeah, okay, keep going. Sorry, the God who sees, Hagar. Me. Yes. Yeah, hey, so she was um, overwhelmed and in a bad situation and alone and, and cast out. But but the point is, we have a very personal God who sees us in our stress, and he is there for us. And so when, when we read in Matthew 9 that Jesus saw the crowds, um, and that led you to talk a little bit about, do we see... The yeah. people around us, yeah, the harassed and the hopeless and the helpless, um, and we should because Jesus does. We absolutely should, um, and and just that picture of the God who sees us, especially with someone like Hagar, you know, at that point a single mom left out of the camp in a place that is isolating and alone, and I don't know how many women experience that. Or go through that. Maybe like what we talked about last week. Maybe your husband just left. Maybe um, this was something that you didn't plan on happening. Um, whatever it is, like just that comfort that he is the God who sees. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the circumstances, he sees you and and isn't isn't shaming you. Uh, he he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Uh, and and the passage that we have today is that Jesus had compassion on the crowds. and But more than that, I don't know if I said this on Sunday or if it was on the, on the online version, he, he saw that they were being harassed and um, I forget what the other word was. Uh, he, he saw that they were harassed and, and helpless. helpless. 
I, I think he had to see individual people in the crowd. He didn't just see a crowd of people and be like, I should help all of them. He saw individuals that made up a crowd of people. And I think that's a big distinction because mm-hmm. sometimes I think we feel like we can just get lost in the crowd uh, as humans. Like God doesn't see us. God doesn't hear us because there's so many of us, whatever. But man, he had compassion on the crowd. But more specifically, he had compassion on each person in the crowd. It wasn't just the blob of people. It was individually he had compassion for each of them. And that goes back to Hagar. Like, he he saw her. And I think that goes on the flip side, too, where we, we see crowds and we're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like, because, again, the workers are few yeah. and the harvest is plentiful. And we can bog ourselves down into inaction and inactivity because it is overwhelming. It can be overwhelming to see the crowds around us and the needs and the suffering, and especially here in Traverse City, we have a large homeless population. Um, and it's like, what do you do? It can be overwhelming. So that's more of what we can talk about today. Yeah. Um, what does it look like yep. to start? I remember, um, I think it was a leadership thing from Andy Stanley. Maybe it was just something in a message. Most of his messages are leadership things too. but. He had said, uh, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that goes back in my mind a lot whenever I see a crowd. And it's like, gosh, there's so many needs out there. I'm reminded, like, just, just do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. Well, and where we, where, where we are, there's enough to do. If you feel called to go out to another city or another country... That's one thing. But even if you do that, where you're at, there's enough to start with. If you have a family, you have a spouse or yeah. children or yeah. parents, yep. friends at school, friends at work. We have plenty of harvest around us. One of my favorite authors is Henry Blackaby, and he he did a very, I think it's still popular in the Southern Baptist crowd especially, um, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I was raised Southern Baptist. And, and I learned a lot through a lot of these studies. And his book, Experiencing God, I think is still around. But his, his, the point of that book is God is always at work around us. And basically our job is to find out where he's at work and join him. Mm-hmm. So if we just pay attention and open our eyes and look around us, we can be Jesus. It, it's not, we just need to be, I think you talked about it on Sunday, being intentional. Yeah. My dad was like that. He would go to the bank and go to the same teller. The checkout girls at Kroger's loved him because he'd go oh. to the same one or two, and, and he was just friendly and intentional everywhere he went. Right. But it was the same gas station, the same grocery store, the same yeah. bank branch, and and I think that's what you were alluding to on Sunday. Yeah. And invite people to church and right. ask them their story, yep. ask them how they're doing. Yep. Take it from there. Yeah. You're correct. Well, thank you. Uh, it was <laughs> Judges 4, and it was Deborah and Deborah, Barak. I love and that. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of some dude, was judging Israel. That's what the Bible says. Some Wife dude. of some dude. Make sure you talk about why she's the one that drove the tent stake into his temple. I was just going to say she used to sit under the palm of Deborah <laughs> between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. 
and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. That's where I got the idea of a under a <laughs> of tree. A, under a tree. <laughs> so you so that's where my mind went. Was that right there? All right, is she I'm the judge? Okay, I, I, I got to get this out. Okay. Is she the judge? And I'm not a feminist, so this isn't. Don't twist this into anything like that. But she's the one. I think. I think they were called to to kill this guy, and the husband or a guy yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't do, do it. it. And he's like, "Well, she's like, I'll do it." Yeah. And she goes in and stabs yeah. him in the head. Yep, that's exactly what happens. Uh, actually, it was Jael, the wife of Heber. Okay. It. Heber. The name. Took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple <laughs> until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. Now, that's a strong woman to drive a tent peg Seriously. through somebody's skull. I did not expect us to go here today because <laughs> it has nothing to do with the message that I gave Doesn't on Sunday. Doesn't it? <laughs> um, well, maybe a little righteous anger got her adrenaline yeah, going, too. That's probably what it was. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, so y'all, if you didn't know stuff like that was in the Bible, you should read it. And just as a as another aside to our aside, that started as an aside, if you are curious about the Old Testament, I would just suggest the Chronological Study Bible. Yeah. And it puts the Old Testament in chronological order and makes it much more easy to understand if you if you are so inclined. Cool. There you go. What was the other thing you wanted to talk about? You I want wanted to talk to about talk two about things. You want to talk about the God who sees and sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. And yeah. what does it look like for us? That's yep. kind of tags off of that. Yep. Um, what does it look like to do what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, I I talked to an individual quite recently, and. Uh, they were talking about how they felt like they've just kind of been floundering around all summer, not really knowing which way was up and down. And But I haven't seen them all summer either. And when you isolate yourself and get yourself away from a community that is there for you, uh, you that's what happens. You're that, that sheep. And sheep, as we talked about on Sunday, sheep are dumb. And they're going to do dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. They're going to follow other sheep off a cliff if 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 there's a cliff nearby. Thankfully, in Michigan, we don't have too many cliffs. A lot of and bodies of water, though. Too many, too many sheep by the Sleeping Bear Dunes, I don't think. So that's about the closest we have to a cliff, but... Sheep are just they're they're just gonna follow one another, and they're just gonna they're gonna eat the wrong thing. They're they're gonna just they're dumb, and and I love that Jesus compares people to sheep that we're just gonna follow and do things. And we will. I mean, our parents taught us that growing up. You yeah. become like who you hang out. Yeah, you yeah. really do. And we were not created for isolation. No. There are times that, like, I'm an introvert, so I like alone time. Right. That's different from being isolated. Yes. I hesitate to think about what my life would have looked like if I would have isolated myself uh, when my husband left. Yeah. So as difficult as it was to be around people, it was necessary. Right. Um, so what does that look like from the worker's perspective? Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, so we were talking about um, it's funny, well, it's not funny, but like right after chapter 9 goes right into chapter 10 of Matthew where Jesus sends people out and he gives a very good um, explanation, descriptions, 
kind of tells them what's going to happen and how they should respond in, in all of these situations that they're going to run into. Yeah. So the, the big thing is he's going to send us out and he calls us to join him where he's at work, but then he equips us to do it. Right. We don't have to know every Bible verse. We don't have to have a degree. We don't just, just go. Yeah. Yeah. And start with who's in your circle. We think yeah. of this thought of, uh, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few is like, we need to go into the third world country right. and we need to go on a missions trip and we need to go like, those are all good things, but I'll be honest, the missions trip is more about you than it is the people you're serving. And mm-hmm. that's okay, but let's call it what it is. I mean, it's an experience that you get to have that probably brings you closer to Christ, but the little week-long mission strip, and we'll probably do some in the future. I would love to partner with World Orphans and go to an orphanage somewhere, um, partner with Charity Water, go see... So The, the fact... I, I don't know if anybody caught this. Sorry, this is an aside, but of all the asides we've done today. <laughs> but we were... We, we had that video from Charity Water and World Orphans, and then Freedom Builders was in the building. Kelly McDougall was with us on Sunday morning, uh, which I love that guy, uh, aside to an aside. <laughs> the Charity Water thing, he talked about uh, that we've provided clean water for about 300 people uh, over the last two years. And that, when, when you put that into perspective, you think about, and, and maybe I've never been to a third world country, but I've seen pictures, and uh, <laughs> I know a, about everything. Um, that's a That's a small community that, we have provided water for like an entire community now has clean water because of what we've done. Um, What's the population like of, of Buckley or right. yeah, so Buck, I don't or know, something it's like 500 people, right. 600 people so in the town I grew entire. up in and well, not grew up in, but the town I was in at one point, Clarksville is probably, you know, 400 people or so. So you think about a small village and, and think about that. Like that's who, how many people got clean water and that's, Pretty incredible when yeah. you think about it. Um, and I like how he explained what that meant for them. Right. The yeah. life-changing yeah. power of clean water that we don't think about. Yeah. That these people now are able to have time to take a bath. They're, they have time to start businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, because... Or school. Yeah. Because they would have to... Typically, you've got to walk... Um, can be several miles to get to the where the water is uh, in a place, especially in a place like Africa. And if you don't, I mean, I don't know if you've walked a few miles before, but for I'm me to walk slow. three miles, it takes probably 45 minutes to an hour to walk three miles. Um, if I'm walking real brisk, it could be 45 minutes, but... Then throw some jugs of water. But then throw, throw 50 pounds of water on top of that and then you're walking three miles, and that's just a, a guess, but it could be even more miles than that. Man, that's going to take all day to, to try to do that. And so to, to prov- be able to provide clean water for a community where they no longer have to walk that far, I mean, it opens so many possibilities up. Now it's no longer dirty, nasty water that the animals are drinking, that you can get typhoid and all that other kind of stuff, that all of these diseases are so... If they just had clean water, yeah, it, takes it would care it would take care of so many diseases in these villages and stuff. So 
the impact that that makes, I mean, it's just, it's so far reaching. So I'm really, really excited about doing that. Um, Anyway, we don't have to go all the way out right. to to the, these third world countries to do anything. It starts right in your own backyard. It starts right in your own home. Literally. How do we how do we that's if you've got kids, that's the that's the harvest. That's that's where the field is right there with your kids. If you have a spouse, that's where the field is right there. If you've got coworkers, there's your field right there. If you've got friends, there, there's the field. So what are you doing in that field? We all have a field. Some of us have a large field. Some of us have mm-hmm. a small field. Don't get sad if you have a small field or a large field. We're going to get into that this week. Yeah. Your field is your field, and yeah. where you're at is where you're at. Right. And what are you doing? What are you doing with it? Yeah. Made me think of a recent fight I saw. Hmm. <laughs> Let's clarify. Oh, yeah, not, not like at the bar on the street. So I am addicted to the UFC and martial arts in general um, and watch fights on television pretty much every week. So as we talk about, um, there's a difference and a difference I want to talk about today about being skilled at sharing the gospel and helping others and being um, under the power and walking with the Holy Spirit and doing it from the Holy Spirit's power, and not your own. So there's this fighter named Hamzat Chemaev. He's ridiculously gifted. He's in five fights, and most of the fights are three 15-minute rounds. A couple are five, no, three five-minute rounds, sorry. And then there's five five-minute rounds. In five fights, he was literally hit a total of two times. Wow. Like, that's how good he is. He, he He's more of a wrestler. So he... <laughs> He was supposed to fight in the main event this Saturday. And they have weight classes, for those of you who don't follow sports. And you have to make weight. And if it's a championship fight, so say you're fighting at 170, you can be 171 and still fight. If it's a championship fight, you can't. You have to be 170. So he fights in the 170 weight class. He weighed in at 179 and a half pounds. It's like, dude, you have one job. So... Not sorry. And, of course, if you miss weight, the fighter you're going to fight doesn't have to take the fight. Mm. So the fighter's like, he weighs 10 pounds more than he's supposed to. I'm not fighting this dude. Because by fight day, he's rehydrated and probably weighs 210 pounds. So long story short, he missed weight, kind of didn't care. His whole attitude was part of the news. Because usually if you miss weight, you're horrified. You're a professional, and that's your job. So he misses weight by (laughs) seven and a half pounds. Nine and seven and a half, eight, whatever. A lot of pounds. 179 and a half he weighed. So they reshuffle the card. He he fights a different fighter. He literally manhandles this very good fighter, submits him in like two and a half minutes. It was phenomenal to watch. But in that post-interview, um, Joe Rogan was asking him, he's like, okay, that's cool and you're gifted and all of that, but if you can't make weight, if this was a championship fight, like your whole goal is to be the champion. Right you wouldn't have fought. Yeah. And if you would have fought, it wouldn't have been for the belt. So what are you going to do to fix it? And all he kept saying was, I'll beat everyone. I'll smash everyone. And it's like, yeah, you will. But so yeah, what's, you're not going to meet your goal. There's no purpose behind it. Right. So, so yeah, you can beat up. Yeah. I could share the gospel, but how much more powerful and meaningful would it be if like, he's got to do the work at home when no one's watching Mm -hmm. 
and we have to do the work at home when no one's watching, right. which is the point of my story. Um, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not connected to Christ, if you're not paying attention when you leave your house or you come out of your room and face your day with your kids or your wife or husband, you're not ready. Yeah. It might look good on the outside, but it's not going to last. Yeah, He's been doing this for two years, and he looks ridiculous on the outside. And and here we are. Is the UFC going to even give him a championship fight opportunity if they don't think he's going to make weight? Because they're going to lose millions of dollars trying to reshuffle cards and pay-per-views and all of the business side of yep. it. Yep. So it's like, what are we doing to prepare ourselves to be strong and ready when no one's looking? Yep. I think that's in chapter 10 of Matthew we were looking at. Yeah. Um, before um, 1027, Jesus is saying, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roots. Yeah. Roofs. I can't. I underlined it. Roofs. <clears throat> roots. Roofs. So, yeah, what are we... The, the first thing is, are we right and are we walking in step with the Spirit and coming from the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the harassed and the helpless? Right. And then we're equipped to handle it. And then we understand what we'll talk more about in a few minutes is that's all we have to do because mm-hmm. Jesus is the one that does all the work. Mm-hmm. Like, so when he sends these guys out and he's like, if, if they don't want to hear what you have to say, wipe the dust off your feet and keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not our job to make people love Jesus. It's our job to tell. It's our job to show serve, people Jesus. And sh- and yeah. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> what they do with it is up to them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, my friend, Chris, once said in a message, uh, and you've heard this. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> he said, uh, if the Holy Spirit ever left your ministry, would you even know it? And that was something that somebody asked him when he was a student ministries guy. And when I heard that, like, that was like, oh, why did he say that? You know, because it's so true. We can use, I mean, we can be like that fighter, especially like really gifted people. Mm -hmm. They can, you can fake it. You can be like, oh, wow, look at the results. Look at how many people are showing up. Look at look at the impact of, of their ministry or, or whatever it is. Like, man, that person just has a really good personality. Like, I wish I had, like, a really outgoing and engaging personality. Like, if, if I could change one thing about myself, it would be I wish that I could just not care and be more <laughs> extroverted and just be like, hey, and just be a very attractional person in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not who I am, but... Uh, like people can can be using their gifting without any sort of purpose, uh, and that's a really big bummer. And then you have to go back to that question of like, if the Holy Spirit ever left, whatever it was you're doing, wh- wherever you're at, not just for ministry people, because we're all in ministry. It just some people get paid for it and some don't. Um, so so we all have a ministry. Is the Holy Spirit in that ministry, or is this just what Brian wants to do? We were talking this morning, like how great it would be if we just had a had a building that we could have, and like just that's our own that yeah. you know we're paying money on mortgages, whatever um, taxes, repairs, yeah, all of that utilities. kind of stuff, <laughs> and and that's that's the side of Brian that wants to be known and grow a really huge church. Like that's, that's the pride part of Brian because 
not to say that we won't ever have a building or whatever. Like, I'm not poo-pooing the idea of forever, but for right now, for where we're at, for what we're doing, it's not what we're supposed to be. We have two buildings right now that we don't pay for. Um, Which means we can give $50,000 back to our community yeah, in two yeah. years and, and, and church so, our size. Yep, yep, and look at different ways where we can invest in people and not places. Um, so... But if I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit, I could easily run down that path and convince people that this is the right way mm-hmm. and say, we've been given an opportunity to purchase this building and we need to raise $2 million to make sure that we get this building. And like, we could do that. Like from a public speaking perspective, I could probably manipulate that. Yep. But it wouldn't be from the Holy Spirit. Right. And that would just be from Brian's desires to do that. And uh, so I have to just keep going back to that question of, am I listening to the Holy Spirit? And am I spending that time in the quiet, in the darkness, whatever Jesus says, you know, whatever he says. Uh, What I tell you in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, am I listening in the dark? Mm -hmm. Or am I just thinking? Sounds like a good idea. With my ego. Like yeah. you're walking by a building and it's for sale and you're like, that would be cool. That would be awesome. And then you yeah. run with it, but that's not where we're headed. Oh man, that would be so great. Cause then we wouldn't have to ask permission for stuff. We wouldn't have, have to ask for permission to use a building. We would have like all the, and it's like, who cares? That yeah. just makes me have to engage with people. Again. <laughs> like, all right. So here we go. Um, yeah. So what are you doing in your ministry, in your circle, your sphere of influence, if you will? Yes to make an impact because Jesus does call us. That's chapter 10. He calls us, he equips us. We have enough information to start. If, if you're really out there wondering like where to start, yeah. Um, just look around and, and, and think about like pick something, you know, about Jesus. Okay. We know he loves people and we know he cares about them. So how can you love someone and care about them? Yeah. And what does that look like? Does somebody need a ride somewhere? Does somebody need your ride? Does someone need a dinner? Does someone just need company? Um, Take them out for a cup of coffee or a beer or something and just hang out. Right. I've noticed since I started paying attention, there's a lot of lonely people. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that through Freedom Builders, my limited experience with them 10 years ago or more. Um, I learned that on some mission trips that I've done. In fact, it's funny that you mentioned mission trips are for us because that's partly kind of, and I'm not saying this is what you said, but it's kind of for us, we can feel good like we're doing something, but it's also to change us. I was part of an organization called World Changers through mm-hmm. the Southern Baptist Convention, and it was phenomenal. And they basically did what Freedom Builders Ministry does. They go into cities. Um, we all stay at a school. It's a bunch of high school, college-age kids, and we do home repairs for people. But the point is to get the kids out into the world, our country anyway, in North America, and see how people are living and see how you can help them. And there's so many lonely people yeah. with literally no hope. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. They literally have taken pets from people's homes in this area because the homes were unfit, but they left the people in there <laughs> with no, yeah, no help to fix it. And anyway, I forgot where I was going with that, but just pay attention and start with what you do know. Yep. 
the the family I'm from, my family of origin, we have a horrible habit of trying to see everything through to its conclusion before we start. It's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. so stressful and dumb. Yeah. Um, which is a habit I've been breaking. So yeah, don't worry about where it might lead or what you might have to know or have to do. Just do something. Yeah. If I can just read a little bit of chapter 10. Now, I, I want to be careful with chapter 10 mm-hmm. as well, because Jesus is specifically talking to his 12. Yes. Uh, Context is important. Yeah. And so take this for what it is. Um, he he gives them the charge to go out into the villages. Uh, don't go among the Gentiles. Just enter... Uh, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons you receive without paying, give without pay. Anyway, he, he, he talks about this, and then he goes into the persecution part, um, which I think we can apply some of this to our lives. Uh, and, and again, you've got to be careful because he's speaking to the 12 here, but it's in here for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I, there's something in here for us as well. Uh, where he says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I just love that picture um, of going out and don't be an idiot. It's <laughs> <is> basically <laughs> what Jesus is saying. That's our paraphrase. Listen, don't be dumb. You're going out into a dangerous world. Okay? So uh, be careful where you're going. Be be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. <clears throat> Have some discernment on what's going on, but take along that innocence with you. Like it's 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 tough to really fully explain, but well, it's like you see someone say say you're you meet someone for a coffee or something, and you don't really know them well. Yeah. Be open-minded, innocent, I think, is be a little open-minded yep. and listen to them. But if they, like, if you get a bad vibe, yeah, don't give them a ride somewhere. Right. Like, especially if you're a woman. Don't, yep. you know yep. what I mean? I think that's a good example. Yeah, that's a great example. Don't yeah. tell them where you live. Yeah. And if you get an email from the king of Nigeria, or the prince. The prince, because the king is The king is the too prince. busy. Right, yeah. right. Um, don't send money to the prince in Nigeria, all right? Don't do that's it. That's probably not a good thing. Sorry, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good... That's a good. He says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. I don't, I don't know how to take that verse specifically for us, but I do think what I talked about on Sunday, like, as we go out and we are reaching people for Christ, there's going to be religious people that are wondering what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. Jesus went into the house of Matthew, who was a tax collector, and made him a disciple. And the Pharisees, all the religious people around him were like, why are you, why are you hanging out with that person? Those people. Yeah, with those people. Well, so I, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that the deeper context of him sending them out to first the Jews because they've... He's talking about them because they've been led astray by the religious leaders, yeah. by the Pharisees, um, and and we know how that goes. Yep. Uh, I'll skip to verse 19. He says, you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Uh, and then verse 19 says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of our Father speaking through you. It's that's, one of my favorite verses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we can take with us. Like, you're not going to have the words to say. 
uh, I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday morning, I, I, maybe I'm not feeling well about the message or whatever, or I felt like the message was bad and somebody else is like, I, I love what you said. Like that really hit home. It's like, that wasn't me talking <laughs> then. Cause I, like my presentation, like yeah. the, the, the art of the craft was not on point, but the Holy spirit was there and was able to interpret, um, so we don't have to be afraid, even when we talk about being the restoration ambassadors and stuff. Like we, don't, I loved that idea. We don't have to feel like we have the answer. Like it's just strike up conversations with people and let God lead that conversation where where it's going to go. And just relax. If you relax, yeah. You just chat. I have a, I have a funny story about that topic. When I was in a church in Jackson, which I loved, I was there for ten years, and we we. We not to make fun, but we would go out on Monday nights to people who said they would like a visit. They'd fill out the card yeah. and say, "Sure, come visit." And so we had a a strategy, like you know, acronyms and stuff on how to share the gospel, just so you remember it. And so, and we'd go out in threes, groups of three. Uh-huh. So we went to this guy's house. He was probably in his thirties, and he lived alone and wanted a visit. And so it was decided I was going to be the talker for whatever reason. <laughs> so we're talking and, and he's asking poignant questions about salvation and Jesus. And so I start trying <laughs> and I knew it like the back of my hand, but I start going through the order of the salvation plan to explain it clearly the way we were taught yeah. using a faith acronym. I muffed that up so bad that when, when I said, I, you know, do you, do you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus tonight? I finally got to that part. It was bad. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It's like, it was it's so like Chris Farley and confused. Tommy Boy trying yes. to do the sales pitch. <laughs> exactly. That'd be your bull. Wait, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's exactly what it was like. I'm not even kidding. You have derailed. <laughs> he said, because I would, I would really like to pray to, to, I, I think he said to trust Jesus or give Jesus my life or something. Yeah. And I went, you would? <laughs> <laughs> so shocked. Oh, that's great. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And and you know, it was cool and he started coming to church and I don't know where he ended up, but he's saved, but it wasn't you because of and, me. And the and the beauty of that is you could have said anything at all and he would have been ready. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was there. That's yep. Henry Blackaby. God's always at work around around are you going to join him? And joining him doesn't always look pretty or sound nice. Yeah. <laughs> so just go for it. You got nothing to lose. I mean, we—that's again freedom in Christ, in my opinion. He's yeah. got it if we just would obey. Yeah. And he has a sense of humor, but he just wants us to be redeemed back to his Father. Right. So, <laughs> lighten up, Francis. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Verse twenty-one says, "Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death." And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, that's not a very pleasant couple of verses. I, I, I don't know how to take that here in the U.S. of A., but I do know in other countries, um, especially in countries that are predominantly not Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but if you're in the nation of Islam and you convert to Christianity, like you're disowned from your family at best at best. Yeah. Like you're kicked out. You could be killed because Mm -hmm. of it. And and I, and I just wonder if this is what Jesus is referring to like that type of a, because that's even true. in um, I'm sure in this time too, uh, where it's like, you're going to convert to this. Uh, 
it not is. Who we are. There's a um, if you're interested in that topic, there's a, a organization called Big Life. Yeah. And they do a lot of work in the 1040 window. Yeah. And a lot of it when you can get email updates, but they do not use real names and the yep. stuff that's going on. People will convert, and and there's been murders, yeah. and it, it just it it does happen. So our American hat with that is like, what? How? That's right. Not, uh, you need to get out more, or maybe don't, or just right. read and listen to what's happening in the world around us, because America isn't the central of the gospel. Right. I don't know if people know that or not. Like Jesus wasn't an American. He 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 was a Palestinian Jew <laughs> with dark hair. He's not the blonde-haired, blue-eyed yeah. Jesus in our nativity scenes. Carrying the lamb and like looking off into the distance. They didn't have cameras. Okay. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't <laughs> we have a description. Yeah. Palestinian Jew. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think persecuted is interesting because we think we're persecuted, and we've talked about that before. Um, but I do see family strife. I mean, we saw a lot yeah. of that in um, over the last couple of years, Through picking COVID aside yeah. of yep. whatever. But I mean, you can see that, and I've, I've heard of people who and I are raised Catholic, and they become a Protestant. Yeah. We won't even go into Northern Ireland and Ireland, <laughs> but I mean, you know, they, they shun their families right. or they don't talk to them. Yeah. Or you, so yep. it, it happens nope. just, we're probably not going to be murdered for it yeah. here, but it's, yep. you're going to, I almost swore, you're going to take off some people when you stand up for what you believe in, yeah. especially in our uh, easily offended culture today. You mean I wasn't born right the first time and there's something wrong with me? Who do you think you are? Right. To tell me that. Yep. Um, so then he goes on to say, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Um, again, don't be an idiot. <laughs> when you're being persecuted, leave. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to stay in the persecution. Right. Like some of us want to be a masochist, I think, and be like, I can take it, I can bear it. Like, if the persecution is that great, like there are times when Jesus says it, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. It's okay. Prophet has no what in his hometown. No has honor. No, in his no honor in his own hometown. Jesus said that as well. Like he says that before. Shake the dust. If they won't have you, shake the dust and 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 leave. Like there's and we see. Him do it. Yep, yep. He left often. It's not our job to convince somebody to yeah. follow Jesus. Right. If I can convince you to follow him, the next person who comes along can convince you to leave him. Right. If you're yeah. not wanted, go where you are wanted. Because, again, life is short and time is precious. Why, why beat your head against the wall? Yeah. Uh, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, house Beelzebul, Beelzebul? <laughs> uh, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is talking directly to, we talked about this on Sunday morning, um, the fact that he has been called to be in, in cahoots, with the devil, and that's how he healed a man unable to speak. It says in verse 34 of chapter 9, but the Pharisees said he casts out demons by the prince of demons. That's what he's referring to. So 
that's why I said on Sunday, like if people are going to call us blasphemers, ungodly, low morals, and in in league with the devil, we're in good company yep. because that's what Jesus was called as well. And so, and then the very next thing we get through the persecution, he says, "So have no fear of them." <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like doesn't uh, sound very comforting. <laughs> There's uh, there's something I'm thinking of where like they go through a list of <laughs> it's like every prescription drug commercial right <laughs> exactly like, here's all the things that will go wrong to you if you take this drug so try it today it's like tell your like, doctor today <laughs> that you're interested in having all you of might these be strolling on a beach but symptoms. you're gonna die yeah, yeah it's like I'm listening to the symptoms of what happens when I take this drug and they're all looking happy if any of those things are happening to me I'm not happy it doesn't match so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And this is where he says, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. There's a lot going on in there. There is. Um, we can go with boldness wherever it is, into the harvest, into whatever field it is that God's called us to. Because he's called us there. So... I don't know what that looks like for Restoration Church or for whoever's listening to this, but um, yeah, chase if you're if you're hesitant about something, chase down in your quiet time, you know when you're with no distractions. Why? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. There's an if game that a pastor I knew used to play with his kids when they would get scared. Mm -hmm. Well, what would happen if that? Okay, so then what would happen? So yeah. then what would happen? And you're you get you just get it all out. Yeah. And I and I think what Jesus is saying is honestly, even if you would happen to die in in a in your work, you're going to heaven. Mm -hmm. So even if we play the what if game all the way to the end, you're in heaven. Right. My dad always said he's he knows where he's going and that's where he belongs, but he's not homesick yet. He he liked it here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he knew where he was going. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's again to me that's freedom in Christ. If I'm just doing what He's called me to do through my everyday life, everything's okay. It'll mm -hmm. all work out. Yeah. Like like with, I thought my life was over seven years ago. Yeah. I like it better now. Yeah. I never thought I could say that. So well, oh, I, I just lost it. I was gonna say something. Gone, gone, baby, gone. Well, and that was, <clears throat> I mean, just in my own personal life, uh, leaving, leaving the job I had to start Restoration Church, uh, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I, I still don't um, have any, I have no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no security. Right there not from a worldly perspective no no but we hold on to that so much that it it stops us from doing anything because it's like well what if i lose my job what if i 
take a pay cut? What if, what if, what if? And those are typically the biggest what ifs whenever we talk about the harvest. Yes. Like, well, if I do that, I could lose my job. Yeah. Yep, you could. <laughs> and? <laughs> right. There's no <laughs> other jobs. Don't fear the one who, uh, don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear the one that can, that can take your, the, the finances away. Man, to that, who's, who, who are you serving? Like, what God are you serving? If your only reason for not going out into the harvest is a financial one, and you specifically feel God calling you into that harvest, then, then who are you serving? Because you can't serve both. Nope. Like Bob Dylan said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Sing it. No. I, I thought maybe the Bob answer Dylan. was blowing in the wind, but oh. wrong one. It could be that the times, they are changing. They are. <laughs> and they could be a changing for you if you actually do what God wants you to do. Anyway, I don't know. Those are my thoughts on all of that. Like, man, just go for it. And and like I said, there's still no, I guess I could finish that story. There's still no security for me in yeah. what we're doing. Um but we took that step of faith. Uh, I worked three jobs for a while to make it happen. Uh, but I can't imagine not doing this and seeing what God has done the last few years is, has been pretty phenomenal, um, just in my own life, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. It's been incredible. So I think all those are bonuses on top of how it feels to be in God's will. Yeah, and you can't even... Like, that's not even a quantifiable... Mm-mm. Th- like, I, I wish I could figure out a way to help help people understand what that's like. Like, when you finally let go of something, mm-hmm. um, and it's typically something financial. Uh, that's yeah. what it was for me, for sure. Like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. I have a really good job where I'm at. Uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But when I finally let go of that and let God handle it, I know that sounds so cliche, let go and let God. Yeah. But uh but I there there's there's no way that I can succinctly describe the feeling after letting go. Um that there's nothing in the world like it where it's like, it's finally over. You ever have, I guess the only thing is like, you ever have something where you're so anxious about it? Like I get anxious going to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. <sighs> when I'm done at the doctor's office and I get to walk out of the office, oh my word, I feel so much better. I bet it's the same for you for like flying. flying that's exactly right? what I was like thinking. Like you finally land wherever it is you're going and then it's like, oh, I feel so much better now because I'm where I need to be. Like yeah. it's that feeling of relief, but it's a relief that you've never felt before. It surpasses all of that and it's just a it's almost like a fresh start every time yeah I think of like in college when the when you're towards the end of a, a period a, a mm. trimester semester yep. whatever schools are, I'm so old yep. <laughs> um, and you get your you take that exam and you're done done and you wake up the next morning and you're free until yep. the next semester starts yeah um, and you start all over but yeah when you I I try to be aware of generic phrases and churchy phrases but when you really just let it like let it go for yeah. real and yeah. and Jesus says come to me all you who are weary and I will give you rest yeah um and he will and cast all your cares on him just it's it's as simple as saying I am done 
struggling with this, I trust you. Yep. Because what we're saying, if we won't give up the job or we think he's going to take our job or we're going to lose our job because mm-hmm. we could, is I need that money more than I need to do what you've asked me to do. Yep. And I think when he says you won't see the kingdom of heaven, it's not a threat or a lose your salvation. It's are you really saved? Yeah. Have you really put your faith and trust in me in a saving relationship that you will believe me when I say I'll take care of you and I'll be your provider? He's your provider. You know that. That's why you did it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I just I just thought of a way to describe it. Sweet. Um, which is an analogy, which is kind of the way I work. But a couple of years ago over Memorial Day, uh, a group of us with my oldest son and my dad and a few other people, we went hiking um, just in Manistee County. Like we just did a, a little loop, but it was like a three day hike that we were doing. So we had to carry the pack with all of our stuff in it um, with the with the sleeping bag and the tent, like all of that stuff is all like on your pack and you've got meals I didn't really have very good meals, but I had me like I was so unprepared for this journey, which is a whole nother sermon. Uh, thankfully, there were people in the camp who had actually done it before. And so I was like, oh, I needed more than just granola bars. OK, got it. Uh, yeah. So we're, yeah, we're 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 hiking through. And that pack, I mean, that backpack, that camping pack is heavy. I mean, it's probably twenty five. 30 pounds, but it doesn't sound like much, but as you continue to walk with it for, you know, 10 miles a day or whatever, it gets heavy. And every, like we would stop and just break for lunch or whatever. And you like the relief you would feel when you would take that pack off, uh, you, you could just sit and relax and you didn't have all of that weight on your shoulders anymore. You could just kind of hang out. Um, but then I would have to put that pack back on. (laughs) And that's what a lot of us do in life. Like, we release it for, for a while. Like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to let go. But then we slowly put an arm through and then another arm through. And then we stand and like, no, nope, I, I, I don't like the way that that's being handled. So I'm going to take care of this. And I'm going to put this pack back on. We had to. But then we would get, when we got to the end of the trip and I could just put the pack in the car <laughs> and I felt so light. And so like I could, it was unbelievable. Even though I was tired, even though it was like, three days of not my favorite thing, but <laughs> of doing that when I was able to let that go and just be done with it. Oh, I felt so much better. It's a great analogy. Thanks. You're welcome. Well, we do. How, how many people describe it as just being heavy and worn down and yeah. worn out Yep. and stress will do that and anxiety yep. and it's, and it's avoidable. It really is avoidable. I mean, yeah, there's clinical depression and things like that. That's not what we're talking about. But the everyday stuff that we let weigh us down, yep. it's not ours to worry about. And especially stuff that is weighing us down that God's asking us to give him right. and that we refuse to do. Or calling us into the harvest to do some, to be laborers and we're refusing to do it. It's like that pack. Mm-hmm. And until we say yes to that, it's just going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. And then, But there's going to come a point where you're just not even going to notice that you have a pack on anymore. Right. If the Holy Spirit left your ministry, yeah. would you And notice? you're going to be carrying it around still. It's still going to feel amazing whenever you let go of it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's people who are walking around who don't even realize they're carrying a heavy pack anymore because that's just what they do now. They're used to it. Yeah. That's and they point. usually say, that's just the way that it is. That's just the way I am. Yep. 
Well, that's too bad because you don't have to be. Yep. It's sad. Yep. I think it's sad. Yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> now that we're sad. No, now that we're all kidding. sad, we're going to leave you on this Thursday because that's when this comes out. I forgot any, what day it any, is. <laughs> uh, any, any final words? Anything you wanted to? I think my final word on this whole thing is, it's, it's again, it's simple. It's not easy. Yeah. Just get to know what Jesus did and what he said and how he calls us to be with the basics. Start mm-hmm. with the ba- love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Start there if you don't know what to do. Yep. And if he's called you to do something, I would challenge you to spend the next week really fleshing that out and praying about it and pursuing it and what does that look like and take some bold steps of faith, which is the only way to show that you trust him. Mm-hmm. I can say I trust him, yep. but do I act like I trust him? Yep. And the fun part is he wants you to and he'll come through. Yeah. That's all I got. Cool. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Brian. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Hope you were able to make it to the women's group, Hopefully, uh, which is called Lift. Hopefully you can make it to Man Up this evening if you're a dude. And we will see you Saturday for Feeding America uh, at Harvest Bible Chapel. And then we will see you guys Sunday morning at 930 at Right Brain Brewery for service. Boom. See you later.